Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Planetfall, Gladius, Endless Space 2, Stellaris, and much, much more. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's good to be here tonight. Nate, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. Still uh, running a clinic for the sick in my house. But the house of that, plague? Dude, it's not even funny, man. Oh, my God. My wife came down with stomach flu or something, and it's just like one thing after the other. Oh, my God. But otherwise, it's okay. Doing all right. How about you, man? You're sounding a little off today. Yeah, I had a pretty bad sinus infection this past week. Mm. And uh, Thursday, I lost my voice completely. I could only whisper. So uh, I'll apologize to the fans in advance. You might hear me sniffling in the background, that sort of thing. Uh, We're lucky I can talk at all right now. Like, this is the best I've sounded uh, in about, I don't know, four or five days. So we're going to get through this. And uh, I think we will start with Thea 2. Okay, go for it. And um, we got a a big update from them. Uh, I don't know this past week, and they're they're continuing to make a lot of changes to the game. For instance, this is really big. They changed the idol. Okay, if you don't remember, you you get like this idol or this cosmic seed. Um, well, let's just talk about the this idol. You get this idol, and it uh can now affect your range for uh, gathering materials. So if you build from tier 3 materials, you get a plus 2 gathering range. If you build from tier 5 materials, which are the, the highest, you get plus 3. So imagine that, Nate. Like 3 tiles out from like your town or whatever, you can gather. That's mm-hmm. pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm using it. I use it in my game. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Oh, okay. So. Alright, yeah. I mean, that's... Oh, man, that's so awesome. Uh... <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh, uh, several other things. Uh, they fixed some of their crash problems. Um, they also added a po- population control alg- algorithm. Wow, I'm really tripping over my words. Pardon me, folks. They added a population control algorithm where you're going to find more children if your population is low and fewer children if your population is high, which makes perfect sense and... Uh, it it makes you feel less hopeless when things are going bad. So I really like that a lot. Um, also, they've added coal, the coal resource, to all different biomes. And they've improved their map generation algorithm. So that way, each of the islands, you know, in Thea 2, it's not just one big landmass. Like in Thea 1, there's a bunch of islands, right? Because it's been shattered. Uh, the islands are going to be less similar to each other. Which is really awesome and fun. And, that, and that's what you want. You want a lot of diversity uh, in that. Because, I mean, that's kind of the whole point um, of the Shattering yeah. is you get to visit all these neat little biomes in this 
this sort of thing. So also, uh, they... That's where all the factions are, too. So right. you have the different factions. And um, I, I have thoughts about that, but we'll talk about that also a little later. All right. So. Very cool. Um, they also sent out a newsletter this week with uh, even more uh, I don't know, updates on what they're changing. So uh, they added a god info screen allowing you to check domains and selected traits. Artifacts add shielding now. Uh, you can add names for your pets, so you can name your pets before you sacrifice them or throw them to a monster so you don't die, that sort of thing. Uh, also, in the next patch, they'll be finish finishing the main quest for the game. Oh, and one other thing that they added is... Was it in this one? Yes, they added the Domination Victory option to and, uh, and a tracker screen for it. So a lot of things added to the game. Man, uh, I've been refraining from playing it. Because it's been mm. changing so much, but I'm not sure how much longer my willpower can hold you, out. You don't need to. It's they've really like I've been playing it here and there throughout early access, and it has fleshed out. Like personally, my biggest issue in the beginning was like all the changes to the combat system. And yeah, that like, is probably I think going to be the toughest thing for players to get past is the card combat where. It, it is a little bit complicated and difficult to discern. But it's all good. Like, it, once it clicks, it takes a little bit. But once that click happens, all of a sudden, you just have the moment like, oh, I see. And then everything makes sense. And then afterwards, like, I, I have the Thea the Awakening on my Switch. So once in a while, like on a train ride or something like that, I'll bust it out and I'll play it a little bit. And it's just like compared to Thea 2, it is so awkward. And I'm like, oh, Thea, Thea 2 system is so much better, you know, because I've gotten used to it. I mean, it hasn't been out that long, so it's not like I've been playing it for years and years. But even with the amount of time that I've played with it, in my opinion, the combat has really evolved. And like I like it, and and it feels like a lot of the skills. Like I see people saying things like, "Oh, really? All you need are these two or three things, and everything else doesn't matter." Well, yeah, if you're gonna min max, you can say that about every single game. I've never played a game where there were five or six strategies that worked. There's always one optimal strategy, and if you utilize that same strategy, then yeah, of course your combat's gonna go that way. But you can't, you know, that's why you have all the different types of encounters in Thea to mitigate that. So once you figure out combat, it, it gets really good. So, you know, if, if somebody's struggling with it, give us, you know, let us know in the comments. Tell us why. And I'll gladly discuss it with you. Maybe give you some hints that will help you realize how cool it is. Or, you know, maybe not. Maybe it really it is really awful, you know? <laughs> I, I don't think it's really awful by any well, stretch. you know what I'm saying. Like, you know, people like... It, it is. It's got a pretty steep learning curve. And yes, that's something yes. that, you know, people have to get past. So... Uh, <laughs> I hear there's a big Civ 6 thing going on. You want to tell us about that? Yes. So it's not big, but it is. And this is something that actually happened. They did this almost a year ago. It's just now for the first time they like went on record and explained it. So there's a member who is no longer permitted to comment on, um, on our shows on the website because of his uh, vitriolic attitude and his nasty demeanor. And like, he's just... He's just piece of something i won't finish that sentence but he made a very valid point and which was why i was constantly trying to give him chances because he, you know within all the vitriol there was a few points that kind of you know made sense and one of them was this thing called red shell which is 
um, I guess a form of DRM, but not really. What it is, it's it's more like tracking software. So when um, when SIF came out, like this is a two, this is uh, from uh, t- from two K and a couple other publishers. Quite a few of them actually automatically included this, and part of it was is that they were collecting data about your computer for the purposes of figuring out what kind of systems are being used and giving it back to 2K. So 2K can be like, okay, there's people using so many people playing on a tower with this much RAM, this much, um, you know, this this motherboard, the, this video card, here's the configuration. So let's optimize the game to run better. At least that's what they were telling. And that, you know, I just, you know, it, it, it's like at this point, you kind of have to trust people at some point, right? There's plenty of untrusty word, untrustworthy people out there, and I will be speaking about them later on. But you're kind of giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But then more stuff came out that there was other information being collected that you know could be sold to advertisers so they can do better targeted ads and things like that. And you know there, there was a lot of complaints. And then other people were having issues where this extra layer of software running was slowing down their machines and triggering various warnings and things like that. So there was a quite a bit of a backlash from the community and um Firaxis went in and disabled it, but there was still mention of it in the in the EULA and the end user licensing agreement or the terms of service and that was going on and on. But supposedly according to them they had a, they had taken it out back what was it on um on May 8th, let me see what their dates are. In July, July 8th. So when they updated it on May 8th of 2018, that's when the backlash started happening because there are people out there that actually read this stuff. And then they disabled it <clears throat> on July 8th and they're telling you which version. So check your, ver- this will all be linked in the notes in case you want to, you know, verify this. But um, if you're playing on this version or this version, then you're fine. But if you're playing on an older version, you know, you might want to update because that'll automatically remove it. But again, you know, with all the auto updates on Steam and everything like that, anybody that's still playing it that's updated it since last July should be playing on a version that does not have Red Shell. Point is, is that they made this known to us, whether it was intentionally or on the down low, because, you know, nobody wants to disclose when they're collecting information about people. And there was a backlash and they did something about it. Now, should they have not done this in the first place? Probably because they did it. Is it the end of the world? I don't think so because we get exposed to stuff like this everywhere all the time. But it's good when we know about it. You know what I mean? It's good when we're told so we can do something about it. The stuff like this that happens that we don't know about or people put on software protection programs to keep people from pirating the games. That usually has an impact on the performance. So this was kind of the update. They officially... On the 20th, came out in the open. They clarified the the EULA. They talked about the you know the privacy clarity. What what was the point of Red Shell? So I think this is big. So for that one person who might still be listening to the show or not, even though you will not be able to comment about this, and that's your fault and that's your behavior, but you made a very valid point, and unfortunately, um, in your presentation of your point was not so good. But just so you know. Red Shell is done for. It's gone off of their stuff. Now, whether you believe them or not or anybody else, that I don't know. And I don't have a way to check it. I'm not a computer guy where I can sit down and figure out all the processes running. But again, it's a trust thing. And we'll get back to that again later. Remember the word, trust. 
So, all right. Well, okay. Well, that's for Civ. Why don't you tell us about well, the latest news from Age of Wonders Planetfall? All right. Well, not a very exciting update, but an important one for Age of Wonders Planetfall. This week, their developer diary talked about the user interface, and uh, they showed off a lot of screenshots. And I like this sort of translucent blue uh, UI that a lot of different studios are going toward. Endless Space 2, Alliance of the Sacred Suns, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Planetfall here. I'm, I'm really liking this. So uh, they showed that off a lot. And they talked about how players are going to have the ability to customize like the size of the font on the screen. So if you're playing really close to a screen, or if you have a really large screen, you might be able to like reduce the size of the font so that way you know it's 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 easier for you to read a lot of information very quickly and then they showed how that would look on all these different things and then also they're talking about how they made the UI flexible enough to accommodate like ultra wide monitors like super wide monitors and they have like this panoramic uh, screenshot to show like what it's going to look like if you're playing on one of those and then also like uh, on someone who's playing with really high resolution screens, and like I don't, I don't understand what this means because, like you, Nate, I am not a computer guy, but I bet I'm even less of a computer guy than you. So I'm just gonna read this. So for all those out there who are really into high resolution 4K monitors, this is for you. Render scale is a separate control. Some systems have displays with high re resolution, but not the GPU to push all those pixels out at acceptable frame rates. By reducing the 3D render scale to the game world, the game will run faster on high-res display, and you still have the benefit, benefit of higher DPI on the interface. I don't know what that means, but I think that just means the game's going to look pretty. <laughs> uh, so for all of you playing on your 4K televisions, uh you know, right in front of your face, giving yourself face cancer from being that close to a TV. Planetfall is going to look really good, and all the UI elements are going to scale well, so I, that I, way the game doesn't look weird or stretched, or you have um, like those really ugly black lines on the sides, you know? So um, uh, they're trying to accommodate uh, even the highest-end rigs with this. Right. So is that what they told you when you were growing up? If you sit so close to the TV, you're going to get face cancer. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, it's like all those kids that got face cancer from being that close to all the radiation. Yeah, and, and all the kids that weren't blind, too, you know? Right, right, so, right. But, yeah, no, like what you were reading, basically I got some of it. Not all of it, but, uh, yeah, your, your follow-up to it pretty much covered it so you're good to go you you got the pass for me so i'm not gonna you know rain in your parade all right well <laughs> awesome continuing on the terrestrial sci-fi uh road we had an update from warhammer 40k gladius relics of war so previously we actually have uh we got the we got a review key for turnage but since essentially all it did is added a faction uh 
I believe Dallin made some videos, like one or two videos talking about it. So that, you know, is as a review, that's that will have to suffice for the moment. With the next faction, we'll have to see what changes. And then maybe we'll write something up for that. And that's kind of what happened. So this week, they told us we're working on the next bit of content. Stay tuned. You're going to love it. In the meantime, here's what we did. So as, as a result of some of the changes they've been working on lately, the orcs which are one of the four original factions that came with the game, felt lackluster. So this week, what they did is they did a couple of balancing passes on the orcs to improve them. And unless you're playing with the orcs, you will have no idea what I'm talking about. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'll just link it in the notes and you'll look. It's not a lot of things there, but it's a couple of different adjustments that really make the orcs have a, I believe, a faster start is the way to ex to explain it. Because once the orcs get going, then you know their wow power is crazy. But to get going, they need they needed a jump, and this might be it. And then they did also a bunch of bug fixes, which is good because we don't like bugs. But the tyranids are right. But that's yeah, I was gonna say, don't you like yeah, the tyranids? No. <laughs> well, the tyranids are not. I wouldn't call them bugs, but they're life forms. But anyways um and then they did a little bit of general work like uh doing some stuff with netcode for connections and like adjusting the menu uh ui and trying to improve the performance so you know things of that nature they've been working on it they have not forgotten this is it's awesome we really enjoyed the game this was our game of the year for last year and i don't think i have come across anybody the post on exploronate that has said that gladius is a bad game i've seen a couple of people say that gladius was not as maybe doesn't have as many things as say like a Civ game or something like that like overall but I think like in what it does it is by far the best 4X that came out last year and it is it is fantastic it is fun it's got the right atmosphere it's got it just has that feeling and it plays really well as long as you want a war game if you want a city builder and you know grow your empire and talk to lots of aliens you don't go to the warhammer 40k universe the only talking done there is at the end of a firearm or a machete or a chainsword or a flamer so i think you know if people don't know what i'm talking about check it out you'll understand very quickly what i mean with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> no doubt no doubt well we're gonna take off into space with endless space 2 and uh, I think we reported last few weeks about the minor faction community polling going on and the Oracle uh, faction, I guess, orientation. I don't I don't know. Anyway, it's going to be the Oracle that won the uh, minor faction. So essentially, people of this faction are finally attuned to the powers of dust and they'll be able to predict when random events are going to happen. All right. So. Next, they're going to have the community decide on, well, what was the origin of this minor faction? So there are three choices. Dust-fueled implants, which, um, you know, there's there's dust-powered augmented, aug how would I put it? Augmented reality, let's see, dust-powered technology implanted into them. And uh, that helps them to kind of see the future. The next option is they use dust in like magic rituals or religious rituals and things like that. And then the third one is Hunters of the Lost. The faction was engineered by the Endless to track down the Lost. And that's why they can predict the future. That seems kind of weird to me. But there you go. So either they're, uh, you know, Borg-like 
in that they've incorporated technology into their bodies or they're more mystical and perform religious ceremonies to predict the future or they're another creation of the endless kind of like i don't know the cravers or something like that so uh the vote ends well it'll probably be over by the time you hear this but we're here to report that it is going on and if you hear this before it closes then you'll have a chance to vote on it absolutely and as a big um update on this the group that is working on this are the ngd guys the ones that did the expansion for and the surprise expansion for endless legend so they're the lead on this so i'm very curious to see what these new folks not ngd but these new alien additions to endless space 2 come out looking like and playing like because i will talk about ngd's last work at the end of the show i've been playing some endless legend and i got some thoughts about it so you know stay tuned for that okay well the last couple of weeks we've been talking about uh stellars uh what i had forgot to mention last week on the show i was thinking i was i wanted to mention it at the end but i forgot was that joshua's re-examination for stellars is out basically this everything from is it no it's not from 2.0 it's even prior to that so Basically, the last several major releases, like a year and a half worth of releases, big re-examination, review, covers everything. And um, we're going we're gonna to do an Audible extension for it. And we're going to discuss the scoring because that's been a point of contention. Though at last check, I think the score that he gave it recommended is in the poll at the bottom of all the reviews. We include a poll. And I think that one is ahead by a couple of votes. And there are plenty of people I know that feel the same as him, but they're not very active in the open, so they don't really, like in the big Stellaris thread, they won't go in there and defend something because they're like, you know, I, I don't come on the internet to argue with people. I like it. I just let my money speak for me, and they go and they buy the stuff. And from time to time, they'll ask me, hey, what do you think? Oh, you know, this is really good. I'll communicate with them. So I know that he's not alone in this, and I hope that if there are people that don't agree with some of the more veteran Stellaris players about the state of Stellaris, that they don't feel like they're under assault. We're all entitled to our opinions, even if we don't agree. I I don't happen to agree with everything I read everywhere, but it doesn't mean that if I read something I don't agree with, I, I, I have to get angry at it. Sometimes it happens again, but that's coming a little later. But anyways, so 2.2.6 is officially out. This is the latest patch for uh, 2.2 Megacorp. And the incongruency with this release, they're going to have a second patch running where they're going to be taking feedback from the community about what still doesn't work so they can start like fixing it right away and not have a couple of weeks before they put out the fix for the fix for the fix, for the fix, you know how that goes. And anyways, I'm not going to go with this. This is crazy long. But I will tell you this. These are the things that they found very important in this patch. Um, they were having issues at the end of a, of a calendar year within the game. So within the game, you know, you have your years. At, at the end of the year, when a lot of stuff is happening, especially on games with a lot of empires or big empires, there was crazy slowdowns, and they were having issues with that. Well, this modder named, who goes by the Steam handle of Glavius, he's been doing a lot of mods for AI, and pretty much anybody that has issues with uh, AI that comes with the game ends up using his mod, because I have, I've yet to see a single person come back and say, oh man, his mod is awful, the AI was so good before, now it's terrible. It's the other way around. So this dude knows his stuff, 
I mean, I'm surprised he's not already hired by Paradox working on it. And I won't be surprised if and when he is hired because this guy's old girl. I don't know who this person is, but this person definitely knows what they're doing. So they were involved with helping with this. Then there were issues with the AI not using the fleets correctly, the AI not using because this major change with the population and the way the planet grid is and like the AIs. Basically, I think anything that has AI in front of it is something that he worked on because that's what his mod really addresses. And then the other thing is, is that they're they're continuing to take notes. They're trying to decide what the next direction for Stellaris. Stellaris, according to them, is far from done. And I believe it because they're still supporting Crusader Kings 2 with new content, which is, you know, seven years now, I think, six, seven years since it came out. So I'm assuming that before there's a Stellaris 2, they're going to, it's going to keep changing. And within our forum there's a very heated discussion about that and within the comments to the review and we're us at exporminate we are tracking the conversation and taking down a couple of questions that we're going to incorporate when we record the audible extension for it so if you're hearing this and there are certain things that you would like for us to cover in the audible extension please either leave a comment in this weekly exchange on the review or maybe in the thread and just you know get get us to look at it and we'll add it and we'll try to cover it because i have a feeling that's going to be a long audible extension anyways but you know, we always try to incorporate the community. We always try to take feedback and make that part of the conversation. You know, they, that we are the community. You are us. We are you. We are all fans. We're all gamers. We're all, in a sense, want the same thing, which is the best games that we can get to give us the most enjoyment that we can get out of the time that we have to spend on. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, my reason for not playing Stellaris has nothing to do with anybody. And... Uh, yeah, we're all just, we all feel about games differently. And with so many coming out, I think that's just fine. Speaking of games that are coming out, uh, progress is coming along for Alliance of the Sacred Sons. And uh, the developer has been posting a lot of change logs on Twitter, but now he's going to be posting them on the website for Alliance of the Sacred Sons. So we want to shout out a big thank you to him for that. So that way we could talk about it more. Uh, there's, he lists a big, humongous list of changes and a lot of them we've covered before. So I'm not really going to go over very many except for like the biggest ones. Uh, he's updated the UI, including Ella, various elements, the fonts, tooltips, all that. Uh, he's changed the way initial relationships between the houses. Remember Alliance of the Sacred Sons, more of a grand strategy game where you're managing relationships, in this case, among the different houses. So it can't start below. Cold War can't start better than friends, and that means you have room to grow in both directions. Uh, he's added the concept of Emperor Reputation, where basically um, all of your different projects and actions will either add or take away from your reputation, and that reputation helps determine whether a check is required to increase or decrease uh, your relationship level with one of your houses. Uh, he's reworked the economic system. Remember, it's got those five sliders like budget and all that uh, science and all that sort of thing. So um, you have more fine-tuned control over where your resources are going. Uh, added in the house diplomacy system and then gave each house its own AI based on the various personality traits that it has. And then a lot of bug fixing and this sort of thing. So uh, 
Alliance of the Sacred Sons coming along very nicely after a brief hibernation, uh, which everybody needs on a big creative project like this. And uh, we'd just like to thank the developer once again for giving us a running list on this so that way we can report on it more easily. Oh, I've been bugging him about it for probably six months now. Yeah, I know. And and like I said, we really appreciate him doing that for us. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not asking him so much because for me, but like as a player, just and for somebody trying to cover his game, when the developers do stuff like this, it's easier for us to not just cover it, but to link it. So people like, oh, great. Yeah, here's all the info versus having to download stuff. So I'm glad. I'm very glad that he did it. And uh, I'm hoping that this results in more people drawing their attention to this game because they don't have to. Because, you know, like when somebody says, hey, here's some information. First, open this up and download a bunch of stuff. And it's like, yeah, I don't think so. I'm not downloading anything, you know. But here it's like, here, once you click and you can see, you know, on the website. You know, so I'm hoping that more people will be checking out because Alliance of the Sacred Sons, I think right now is probably the most Crusader King 2 in space there, that there is. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's, it's more of a grand strategy game than Stellaris is. So anybody that feels that Stellaris is too 4X-y, not enough grand strategy, should definitely check out Alliance of the Sacred Sons. And anybody that's never heard of it should check it out because you know this might be the crusader kings 2 in space they've been looking for so and if anybody uses that uh i'm copywriting that please so um all credit to me just kidding no i can't do that okay anyways so um this um this past week there's also an update for battlefleet gothic armada 2 now we really enjoyed the first game uh Dallin and Ben, for a good long while, were doing campaigns. We were on Twitch and then posting up on the website. And with the second game, they've they've done some a couple of streams, I think. And right now, they're doing some Dawn of War 2 stuff. With I think Dawn of War 2 with like heavily modded, and they're about to jump back into this. But anyways, um, the, this is a free update. And as part of this update, uh, we got some new Necron ships, which is awesome. Uh, there's all kinds of there's uh, all kinds of reworks going down like uh, balance changes to chaos to orcs imperium tau and things like that um they're doing they're doing um oh let me see. oh wow no that's everybody got it so okay so what i had mentioned previously were some additional eff- uh, effects that were added to skills so like when you're using a particular skill so the way the game works is it is a real-time game but it's not real-time like um I don't know, uh, Command and Conquer real time, or even something more recent like Ashes of the Singularity, where you got to click, 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 boom, 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 boom. This is, you have time to react, and you're giving orders, and, you know, it's it's different. It's it's a slower real time, but just as busy and just as important. So they're making, wow, okay, I'm looking at the notes. It's crazy. Here's There's a link. Check it out. If you're not playing this game, if you played the first one and you're hesitant about the second one, you shouldn't be. And if you never played it, and you'd like to check it out, but you're like, oh, it's too expensive. Wait for a sale. But it is a fun game. It is they got the lore down. It's Warhammer 40k through and through. Looks great. There's some good cutscenes in there. Well, not so much cutscenes as um, you know. I guess a couple of slides over, so like semi cutscenes. But it's all narrative driven. There's a there's a very th- large thriving multiplayer community out there. You can do co-op with your friends against the AI or other people. So you know this is definitely a game that people should check out. Now 
normally we don't cover stuff like this after an initial coverage piece but this this is just so much work and it's we just want to say thank you because i want to say thank you i love the genre and i really enjoy these games so not so much to play because i suck at all the different key commands but watching other people playing like seeing what's going on like when dallin and ben are doing this is this is not a plug for them so you should definitely not check out our twitch channel at any chance you get when they're playing (laughs) but yeah so okay all right well that's it kind of for the main news and now i want to talk about this week's game for the what is and we are going to talk about something called other side now other side this is a i'm going to read what they have written this is a horror themed turn-based strategy game where the lore and the mechanics are tightly intertwined and then to to deliver a twisted dark and challenging experience now that to me sounds fantastic really really looking forward to it with the disappointment of that other game that i shall not mention just yet uh, this looks great there's not a lot of stuff out there uh we have a link to their website so check it out we'll keep keep uh following it on steam let me see let me click on the steam link let me see if what oh it's on steam yeah it's coming out um whoa whoa that's cool okay now that i look at what it looks like on steam i think it's even cooler than before so this this is definitely a checkout i'm definitely keeping my eye on this one and um if you want a squad tactics game that is not XCOM, that is not fantasy per se this might be the game you're looking for and um if i get a chance to check it out i'll definitely give you guys and gals a heads up as to what that is and um now comes to the somewhat ranty section of the show and i'm pretty sure you know what i'm gonna rant about but sort of kind of but not quite but yes i am i'm gonna talk about the continuing developments between epic and steam now there are two threads in our forums one thread is for phoenix point which is specifically about phoenix point and another thread is about the general state between epic and steam uh about a week and a half ago oliver released or wrote up a piece about what happened with phoenix point and we published it on the same day that the weekly exchange came up and let me just make sure that it was a week yeah it was a week okay so a week and a half ago and as part of that um I think some people got the idea that personally, for myself, not for the site, but for me, that I had something against the Epic Store. Now, I want to clarify that. I don't have an issue with the Epic Store because I I'm, I love Steam so much that I want Steam to succeed and all else to fail. If you've been listening to our show for the last almost five years now, you will know that I'm not a huge fan of Steam. I'm probably one of the first people to just rail on steam's shenanigans and i take every opportunity to the point where people are like what's wrong with you why are you even on steam if you hate them so much and that's the thing i don't hate them i don't hate the epic store i think if the epic store fought, they put up a roadmap for what they plan to do over the next 12 months if they are able to meet everything that they want to do at the end of 12 months i think they're going to be a legitimate competitor to steam now, I don't know if they're going to be as big as Steam, if they're going to be bigger than Steam, if they're going to replace Steam. I don't know any of that. But what I do know is that if they are able to meet those points, those, um, I don't know, how, goals, would that work, Troy? Yeah, that works. Okay, so let's say if they meet their goals, not even not even 12 months. Let's say they shoot for 12, but they're going to probably 18 months or even 24 months. If they're going to be able to meet their goals, that's they're going to be a bigger competitor to Steam than GOG, 
than Humble Bundle than anybody else. My issue with them right now is how they're going about doing it. So, A, they are poaching games that are supposed to come out on Steam by basically offering better deals to publishers and developers, which is nothing wrong with that. This is business. If you are not able to conduct your business by underselling your competition, you're doing something wrong. Now, if you can beat your competition because you have the superior product at the same or similar price point, then that means you're doing something really right. They don't have that. What they're doing is they're undercutting Steam. Okay, they're giving the developers and publishers more money. Great. If the people that are working on these games make more money for the same amount of sales, I, I can't imagine why they would not take this deal. But what they're doing is they're making sure that while they're doing that, they're taking away the business from Steam, not because they're offering a better product, because they're forcing those publishers and those developers to only sell it on PC in their marketplace. That's garbage. Now, has Steam done stuff like that in the past? That's quite possible. I can't say that they haven't because I don't know the inner workings and the amount of information we have available to us right now is significantly greater than it's ever been in the past. So I'm not defending Steam here. But this week, something very interesting happened. So one of the things that myself, you, others have been complaining about is that Steam is not curating their marketplace very well. Essentially, Steam just said it's a free market, put out whatever you want, and if something gets put out that is offensive to the degree that Steam gets a black eye out of it, then they'll go ahead and moderate it and get rid of it. And that happens once in a while. It happened recently for a game we did not cover because this is just like a game was a travesty in the first place. But whatever, somebody made it. There's, I'm sure there's other people that want to play it. Hey. Yeah, I almost wonder if it was made to test whether or not Steam would let it on. I mean, it's just sure, such an Steam, absurd idea. Steam failed that miserably that, and then it took them too long to react yeah i mean like it, it almost looks like they were trying to push valve's buttons with that game yeah and, and the just, funny thing is is like the developers like i didn't even think they would put it up i don't even know why steam did it i don't know why valve put it up on steam i would have never yeah i mean it, it was you, you know there, there's always people that uh just in enjoy uh provoking right they're provocateurs oh, yes. that that's their oh, yes. personality oh, and uh you know that just seemed like what this was to me it was just a, a provocateur making a, a type of, I, I struggled to use the word art, but no. we can't, and just, just to uh, elicit a reaction out of people to see if they even would react. Well, I mean, that's has, kind of what art does. Yeah, that's well. A lot of art is to elicit Yeah, well, I, I hate attaching such an esteemed word to such an unesteemable project, but anyway... Uh, back go go back to your point. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I okay. hate to interrupt. No, you, no, no. You you make a very valid point because that goes directly to what I'm about to say. So one of the things that we've been just trying to get Steam to do is to curate the marketplace, have have actual control over the game. Stop with the asset flip. Stop with the garbage games that like even mobile companies that like even Android that has just utter garbage on it would be like, nah, this is just. No, not us. No, 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 not even free stuff to be run on browsers. And that ends up on Steam. So good games, legitimate games from indie developers that are just awesome are not getting the exposure they need. And they're just falling on the wayside because of these asset flips. So what the CEO for Epic did is he came out this week. We'll have a linked article. And he's like, uh, yeah, our store is not going to have porn on it. Okay pornographic games or you know games of that nature you know 
we're also not going to have bloatware and we're not going to have asset flips. We're going to finally curate our marketplace to offer the best experience. And that's, you know, that sounds fantastic to me. Now, I don't know about the porn because, again, you know, different people have different tastes. What some people consider uh, illicit, another person or people or whomever will be like, no, that's just I'm an adult. I want to play adult content games. I want to play games that are not meant for my children to play. The same way that I listen to music that's adult, not adult contemporary, which nobody should listen to, but like adult themed music that has profanity, has difficult subjects. Maybe I watch movies like that. Maybe I read books like that. Maybe I watch plays or go to a museum to look at art that challenges my perception in life, whatever, you know? So I yeah, want just to uh, chime in on that real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Interestingly, Grand Theft Auto V is not available on the Epic Store at this time. Well, so, I, yeah, I don't know but, if it's because of this policy or if it's because it, they just haven't worked out a deal yet. It'll be interesting to see how people react to this policy if something like Grand Theft Auto V but, gets but on they there. they had said that Grand Theft Auto V is not the – they don't consider that type of a game pornographic or even Red Dead Redemption 2 or anything like that. They don't consider that. So it'll be interesting huh. to see where they draw the line. What? Yeah. Because there are games that are on Steam right now that are on the verge of like almost softcore porn. There are games like that. And from time to time, somebody will draw attention to it and some somebody in Steam will be like, no, no, we can't, don't cover it. And then there'll be a backlash from a, there's a giant community of players out there. And they're like, oh, okay, just for them somehow. So there, there's always stuff going on. So it'll be interesting. But the point is, is that Epic is bringing something to the table that Valve is not doing. So, okay, so that's kind of hard. Is it Epic as the publisher or Epic the store? So it's kind of tricky there. But basically the Epic store is going to have something that Valve hasn't had in a quite, a, quite a long time, which is a more curated marketplace. And we'll, I mean, it'll be, I'm curious. I want to see what they do with it. Having said that, again, I don't hate the Epic store. I choose not to use it for my own personal reasons. But that's the same thing that I don't have the the Windows Store. I don't use the uh, Battle.net. I don't use um, Origin for EA. I don't use... Uh, uh, you, you don't can't play. play. For, you can't play. Sorry, I'm not sure. Sometimes it's you don't play or you can't play. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, I don't use that. But that's, that is a choice. And what that means is if a game comes out that I want to play that's not on Steam... I don't play it. I don't get angry about it. I'm like, I, you know, I'm disappointed sometimes, but I'm not like, oh my God, I hate them. I will never use them. It's just, I don't want to, I don't want to use their launcher. And I, I want to explain to people real quickly. I bought a gaming laptop almost two years ago. I have installed on this gaming laptop exactly one application, which is Steam. And whatever games I have downloaded from Steam, there is absolutely nothing else in that laptop. My, even my email is not on it. That, that has no information. That is all I use it for. Now, if I start having to register for different launchers and download and kind of fracturing my library, and, you know, I want to play, I open it, Steam pops up, boom, I play something. If I'm online, if I'm offline, for me, it's, it's a convenience thing for me. Having said all of that, in this thread, in the Epic versus Steam and in the Phoenix Point thread, I'm, over the past couple of days, I've pretty much been arguing with one person and this person is having a very difficult time understanding, A, that I'm not the only person saying things. So what other people are saying are being attributed to me. So that's kind of like, that's not cool. Why don't you 
see what different people are saying and not lump us all in the same category. And B, my issue is not with the Epic Store because it's bad. My issue is with the Epic Store because their policy right now is pulling games off of Steam, essentially. Games that are supposed to come out on Steam. Games that had deals to come out on Steam and now they're no longer coming to Steam. They're going for one year exclusive to the Epic Store. So what I'm saying is that any developer or publisher that makes that decision, regardless of the reason behind their decision, if they said, I'm coming out on Steam, and then they're not, now, oh, we'll be there in a year, you'll have all this other stuff, and you should be happy about it. It's like, okay, yeah, in a year, I'll pay $15 for your game that's $60 right now. Maybe. You know, I'm not going to pirate your game. I've seen a lot of people saying, well, maybe it's time to pirate. Like, I won't do that. I've never done it. I'm not planning to start to now. But a year from now, if I look at the game and I'm like, eh, that's it. That is a sale that they lost. And that's what I want to clarify is that I'm talking specifically about the developer or the publisher. I'm not talking about the Epic Store. Now, not wanting to use the Epic Store has nothing to do with that. It's just a coincidence that I don't want to use it. But then again, I don't use anything else other than Steam. Not out of brand loyalty. I have all my games on Steam. I think I have one game on good old games and that's it. Maybe two. And I haven't launched them in six or seven years. I have the same copy on Steam. I play it on Steam. And it's just a convenience for me. And I, I have to say it because people are just just hanging on the wrong words and you know looking at the wrong syllables and getting the wrong messages. And I know it's syllable, but you, you know what I mean when I said that. Yeah, well, let's move on to another uh, gaming platform that's coming out, and that's Google's Stadia or Stadia. And essentially what this is is the idea that you can buy a video game and instead of installing it, on your hard drive, you can install it on Google's cloud and then stream it through your device to play rather than uh, using your computer's resources to play it. And they had a big um, demonstration of the of the game, and I think they were playing... It was one of the major like role-playing game shooter games like Assassin's Creed. They were playing it on a Chromebook to kind of show off what Stadia can do. And like that, that's kind of a neat idea, but... I mean, there's, as anyone who's ever used the internet knows, uh, the internet is prone to lag. And there's times when a web page doesn't load quickly, or a video, or who knows what. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are, like, some, some legitimate concerns about latency when you're playing, especially something like, uh, think about, you were talking earlier about Battlefleet Gothic Armada. Oh, like, right, trying right. to play that, streaming it. You know, where you might miss something because you, you suddenly have a lag spike. You know, mm-hmm. your uh, your MBPS spikes up to 2,000 for a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. And then that could cost you the game right there. So this is, this is kind of a major issue that I think Google's going to have to work for. But in a way, I kind of like what they're doing with it in that they're, this is not a product that is aimed at the high-end gamer. Like, we were talking earlier about Planet Falls user interface for people sitting six inches from a 4K TV. Mm -hmm. This is for people that maybe can't afford to be constantly upgrading their their gaming rigs Mm -hmm. to play video games. And maybe it's for people that can only afford a $200, $300 Chromebook Mm. to play video games. And... In that sense, like like I can appreciate the the ethos of trying to appeal to um, the, the the lower end 
of the market, mm-hmm. and that's respectable. Uh, I just I don't know the 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 another idea behind it is to to um, incorporate like Google's social media platforms mm. with it too, uh, particularly YouTube. Good God, where you could just instantly stream from your Stadia device, and you. It, it wants to introduce even something through YouTube called Crowdplay, where you would be able to play against your fans who are watching you on YouTube. So let's say you were playing um, Apex Legend. That's the new hotness, right? Oh, geez. Let's pick a real game that that's, somebody that's who listens game. to this would would want to play. So I don't know. Fortnite. Um, no, what? Are you? Who are know. you? Who are you? What happened to the real name? Fortnite and Apex Legend. Dude, that's Who the are you? That everybody's what happened to you? Are you kidding me? No. I, no. I look, okay. Stop it. I, Stop it. I'm not I listening to you. you right What's now. a multiplayer wanna... game? Some people playing Gal Civ 3 multiplayer. No, no, no. I'm going to interrupt you right now and I will tell you why. This is, you are, you have just created the perfect segue for me to interrupt you right here. And you know why? Because, because... when I'm, no, I'm not a jerk. No, jerk? No, high maybe, but not a jerk. I'm I'm not high either. I'm cold, but I'm not high. So let me tell you why. Um, You mentioned YouTube, like how you watch somebody, like somebody, a streamer or something you're watching, right? Like a game that one of us would play would be like XCOM. XCOM 2. Somebody's playing and they're streaming something or, or Civ 6 or something like that, right? Like a game that we play, Europa Universalis, you know, Paradoxes, all these dev clashes and things like that. So I don't know about you, but sometimes when there's a video playing, I'm listening to it and I'm just curious. I, do you ever like go to look at the recommendations that YouTube gives you? No, you I like ignore that completely down? because okay, well, I just want to look at my subs. Okay. I, I, their recommendations are so bad. I, th- I just don't watch them. That's exactly it. That is exactly it. They want to hitch their their cart on the YouTube horse based on recommendations. Right now, in my YouTube stuff, like I'm the things I'm watching are the same stuff, and like I'll check out like maybe miniature painting or some lore video or something like that. And I'm getting recommendations in in uh, Thai. I'm getting stuff in Hindi. I'm getting Arabic. I'm getting. Um, like Chinese stuff and and it's just like craziness. And I'm like, how am I getting a live stream of an arrest in India? How is that a recommendation on YouTube based on my watching of, you know, Christopher Odd stuff, watching uh, Paradox stuff, watching Endless Space 2, watching, um, you know, like Angry Joe? How is this linked to that? That's the problem that they're going to face. YouTube has a massive massive problem with moderation how are they going to keep the players so you have a content creator some kind of a streamer a million subs or something and everybody wants to play with the streamer and some cuckoo comes on and starts attacking and screaming and insulting who's going to be moderating that well who moderates the live streams now you gotta i mean that's where you kind of have to hire or get volunteers for oh, community no, 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 managers no, no, no. and things like that because exactly. I mean that's what the bigger guys do. And... Exactly, but t- let's compare it to Twitch for a second. There's a delay between in Twitch between what the person is doing versus what somebody sees. There's I think it's like a 20 second delay. It could be could be made longer. I don't think it can be made. Yeah, shorter. you can do the same thing in YouTube. You can have up to 120 seconds, or right, uh, I so, think it's up to two minutes even. Okay, so imagine you're playing a game. And now there's a built-in delay from the streamer. How do you sync up to that? 
you you're watching them play and you're like, oh, a spot opened up. I want to play with them. So well, you're gonna be looking thousand. at the game on your own screen. Then you're not gonna be watching YouTube while you play. <sighs> okay. The point is, is that you have all these different things going on and you can you have to sync everything and here's the other thing you have basically like the google controllers almost looks like an xbox controller yeah and, it really does and then you have because apparently the xbox controller is like the most the best thing ever like it's okay i i have one i i have an xbox i play games from time to time on it i prefer the sony controller just because i've been playing you know it's the same design that they've had since like the playstation one but I don't have an issue with that. It works just fine. It just takes a little bit to get used to. It's a little different. But not only are you using an Xbox controller, but you also have to use their, I think it's their system is Alexia, maybe. So you have to use their system where you're telling Alexia, you're getting another party involved in your gaming. And it's just like, it's so complicated. It's like what happened when they released Google Glass. On paper, it was amazing. In practice, it did not work out even close. They've, they've done, they've made crazy changes to it. They've stopped talking about it. They stopped pushing it. And I don't know how long before they kill it or rename it or do something else. That's what's going to happen with this. In my in my opinion, this is what's going to happen. Because you know how Google was rewiring whole parts of the country with uh, Google, Google Fiber, Google Cable? Right, yeah. And they just stopped. They abandoned it. Remember how, oh, Facebook, oh, we're going to do Google Plus. It's going to crush Facebook. Aren't they killing Google Plus at the end of the month? Yeah, they are. That was my favorite social media network, too. <clears throat> exactly. So, I mean, there's a whole was, list. It was like nobody was on it, so it was easy to manage. <laughs> that's that's That was, I think, the problem. So, the Google graveyard puts Electronics Arts' graveyard to shame. So I have Yeah, well, I mean Google doesn't play around. If something's not pulling its weight, they kill it. They, you know, they're they're well, pretty ruthless happen, with that. That's what's going to happen with this is that they you know, people are going to invest money. And okay, fine. Fine. What's the monetization going to be on this like? Is it going to everything going to have ads? Are you going to have to pay a monthly subscription? Is it going to be some combination of the two? What happens if Google kills it? What's going to happen to all, all your hardware? What's going to happen to your games? What's going to happen to everything? See, there's too many things. It's On paper, this looks great. Our infrastructure cannot support it in the U.S. Maybe there's parts in Europe and Asia where this will be like, yeah, this is a foregone conclusion. But in the U.S., if you live in somewhere outside of San Francisco or New York or L.A. or D.C. or something like that, if you're out in the boondocks, what kind of connection do you have, right? Right, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, I like the idea. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'll keep my um, I'll keep my um, eyes open and I'll keep my mind open just in case. Maybe this will be like this will crush Epic and Steam to such a degree that Valve and the Epic people are gonna be like, ah, we quit. We're out of this. Google crushed us. We don't want to do this anymore. So who knows? Maybe all those other arguments become moot in a year, two years from now. Anyways. So okay. Well, what about you? What have you been playing this week, Troy? Um, well, uh, my book is coming out this Tuesday, so, (laughs) like, I've been really, uh, gearing up for that, uh, preparing for that, so, yeah, by the time you hear this, actually, it'll be out, so there's probably people who will have read it by then, uh, and, uh, I got the audiobook approved, so it's coming out in ebook, audio, and print, so, yeah, mainly I've been getting ready for that, I played a little bit of... Um, World of Tanks Blitz, but they've introduced a new really overpowered tank that makes the game just miserable to play. So, so you're trying to get it, right? N- no, I don't even want it. It's 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 just it's ugly and it's 
so overpowered. Is, is it, it, it just wrecks the game. I don't even want to be part of the problem. Is it a Russian so, tank? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it is. So, um, yeah, I played um, a little bit of uh, uh, Space Tyrant. Uh-huh. And um, that's that's about it. So what about you? Oh, oh, as a follow-up to that, I, I reached out to the dev for Space Tyrant after we published the review, and I, ju- I heard back from him recently, and he read it, and he was very, very... Um, complimentary of it and he really appreciated our hard work he's just really sad that the game did not get the exposure that it needed and it has nothing to do with us it's just like too many other things came out around the same time and it just got lost in the mix but um, yeah so I, I don't know if you knew but he read your thing he liked it he appreciates the hard work and he hopes people get to enjoy it well yeah I thought I thought it was a very underrated game so yeah anyway what did you play well, this week was interesting because um, I got to play a couple of games over the weekend, actually. Not too much during the week, but over the weekend, I played some more Thea 2 with the latest patch. And um, it's good. I'm, re- I'm really enjoying, like, I like the changes they made with seasons. I like the changes they made to gathering. I like the changes they're making to the various encounters. So one issue I had with... I don't think it's the last build. It's the build prior to that. Is like there was a lot of repetition of events to such a degree that you could level up your people without ever doing really anything because every turn there was like a repeat, repeat, repeat. That was very easy to resolve. So they kind they handled that. They're adding um, more like more portraits for some of the other uh, non-human, well, humanoid but non-human uh, denizens of Thea. So there'll be more variability and. I kind of got to see the deal, you know, the new Ice Demon stuff. So that's kind of neat. And um, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I like I like where the game is headed right now, and I want to see what I want to see more of the main quest. So I've been doing that. Then the second thing I did is I did some Blood Bowl two, and by playing some Blood Bowl two with my son, that kind of got me back into it. So I picked up my uh, excursion that I've been working on for like the past I don't know year on. And I added a little bit more, so it's getting closer to being done. I had a little bit of time. I had about an hour where I could just sit down and I did some more aggressors. So got, put a few more thoughts down, again, you know, pushing that along. And uh, with all the frustration and anger and disappointment with Phoenix Point, it's just, ugh. ugh. I, I tried a couple of other squad tactics games that I have, and just none of them. I tr- Let me see. I did Element Space. And they just had a patch since I played it that fi- I had like a hard crash. But it was kind of okay for a small team. But we'll see what it's like. So I did that. I did the Four Triumph. And that's another squad tactics, but fantasy for a few minutes. But that's, I think, the development on a kind of slowdown. It's still in early access. So we'll see what happens with that. And then, of course, I ended up back on XCOM 2. So I downloaded like a whole bunch of new mods to check out. And then I did Endless Legend with the new faction, the Mikara, Mikara. And um, as I had said earlier, the NGD guys uh, worked on it, and I'm really enjoying their... It's a very fun, tall faction, like, kind of like a different version of the cultists. And uh, and when I say different version, I mean they're really different, but they also play tall, one city, and that's all they get. So they're fun, and they're now going to be working on the next Endless Space 2 expansion. So, you know, I'm curious to see how the they're growing and whether they're going to end up joining Amplitude maybe or something that become a satellite studio of theirs but uh, that's it 
that's i mean i think that's another that's the most i think that's the most gaming i've done in months wow cool i'm glad you got a chance to play yeah me too i was getting a little tired of treating all the sick people in my family <laughs> in my household so i needed a little break so anyways well listen congrats on your book i've read it um it's good it's fun it's uh it's definitely uh something that's tailored to a younger audience so um Young adults, I think, will be able to get into it. And I'm contemplating whether I'm going to let my son read it or not. I'm not sure yet if he's ready for it. But apparently he started reading Lord of the Rings, so maybe he is ready. So Yeah, well, that's an all-time classic. But that'll take him a little while to get through. Dude, he reads fast. <laughs> it's a big book. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. All right, goes. cool. I, I encourage any young person to read that book. It's uh, fantastic. Had a major influence on me uh, when I was young, and me I too. mean, it's something I cherish even to this day. Me too. Me too. So uh, yeah, I think that's it. So the usual, just a huge thank you to our community. A big special thank you to our patrons who make all of this possible. Um, thank you. You, your support is what not just keeps us going, but validates us because we're constantly in a position where people think that we are doing this because we're getting money, some secret stashes, giant suitcases of money is being funneled to us to cover the games. And it's not. It is our patrons. It is our readers, our listeners, our commenters. That's where we get our support from. We do this for you. If you guys came to us and said, Explorminate sucks, we hate it, we'd be like, okay, then that means it's time to close shop. But as long as you guys are there, as long as you guys like what guys and gals like what we do and you know, we'll keep doing it as much as we can for as long as we can. So a huge thank you. We really, really appreciate you. And I just wanted to throw a shout out and a big thank you to Joe, our notes man, because last week I had to edit his notes last second. And um, he was like, hey, all right, that's fine. But don't do it again because he puts a lot of work into it. So big thank you to him. And uh, we got some fun stuff. By the time you hear this, there'll be nothing else out. But shortly thereafter, we're going to have a fun thing out and we have a our Civ, uh, Civ 6 Gathering Storm piece is almost ready for editing, and we got a couple of uh, Q&As in the works and some more podcasts, so stay tuned. Lots of good stuff coming, and, that, and I'm done. I'm out. All right. Well, we'd just like to thank everyone for joining us on the weekly exchange. It was really good having you here with us this week. Take care, everyone. See ya.
Thank you.